Hey there, I'm Jen, a pediatric registered dietitian who teaches you how to feed your kids and do it right. And I'm Izzy, a student at UNH learning all there is to know about nutrition and dietetics with plans to become a pediatric registered dietitian. On our podcast, Mom, What's for Dinner?, we dig deep into childhood nutrition and teach you not only what to feed your kids, but how to feed them. Join us for conversations about things like eating disorders, RFID, sugar, body image, the gut, and so much more. We release episodes every Tuesday morning. We can't wait for you to listen. Welcome back to Mom, What's for Dinner? We are recording. It is a couple days after Christmas. Izzy, did you have a nice Christmas? I had a great Christmas. How about you? It was lovely. My daughter is very into the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. So she got two Nutcracker Barbies. That was fun. So fun. Yeah. And she's been dancing around the house doing the Nutcracker for like a week. Yeah. It's been great. Um, So speaking of Christmas, this is a nice little segue because today we're talking about food and sugar obsessions in kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess the definition of an obsession is loose and subjective. It's very subjective Um, But for anyone who's listening who feels like your child is addicted to sugar Mm -hmm. or is just obsessed with food and asking for food all the time, Mm -hmm. we have thoughts. Yes, we do. And we're going to talk about. (laughs) Um, I wanted to start off with a little story anecdote. Yes related to sugar (laughs) and that is serving dessert on the plate Mm -hmm. this is a really common feeding practice that you may have heard from a a pd dietitian or an ot Mm -hmm. if your child is just obsessed with dessert and is always like okay i had two bites of chicken can i have my cookie now or Mm -hmm. whatever so one of the strategies that we use is serving dessert on the plate to remove that food say it's a cookie to remove that food from the pedestal it's up on put it right on the plate with the rest of the dinner food so that all the foods are on equal playing field Mm -hmm. and let me tell you this works um i wouldn't say that my daughter is obsessed with sugar Mm -hmm. but she i mean she's three and she likes sweets right exactly and so especially this time of year Mm -hmm. i mean we have cookies we have gingerbread houses we have candy spice cake every spice cake oh she didn't get any of that (laughs) kyle and i ate all of that i brought jen a spice cake that i made so that's why it's delicious that's why i brought up spice cake yeah um so they're around and so she has been asking for more sweets lately than she normally does. Mm-hmm. And so I the the few times that we have allowed oh and a few weeks ago she wanted ice cream. Mm-hmm. We were like driving by Chubby Checkers here in town and she saw the ice cream sign and she's like, I want ice cream. <laughs> and she was like freaking out about it. So I'm yep. like, we will make ice cream. And it, so I like turned it into an activity and then right. so she wanted ice cream and then we had it and she knew. So I had to be serving it. Yeah. So I served dessert with dinner and this works, you guys, I swear. You put it on the plate. You tell her, okay, you can have your dessert. Or I don't even call it that. I just say what the food is. Mm -hmm. I say you can have your ice cream or you can have your cookie whenever you want to. But when it's gone, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And I make sure also to put a cookie on my plate and a cookie on Kyle's plate. Mm -hmm. So that it's clear that this is part of the meal. We're all enjoying it together. 
But when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Because, like, we only have a limited number of cookies, and, like, we're not going to eat them all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do distinguish between, you know, she has asked me questions that have led to an answer such as, like, you know, some foods do more for our bodies than other foods. Like, the, mm-hmm. sugar, the cookie is going to give you some energy, but our carrots are good for our eyes or, like, mm-hmm. whatever. And I break it down the way a three-year-old might understand. Right. Um, so she knows that the cookies are not unlimited. Um, and it works. And sometimes she eats the cookie first. Sometimes she takes a bite of the cookie and then eats a lot of her dinner and then goes back for more cookie because mm-hmm. she sees that Kyle and I like to have it at the end. Mm-hmm. And so she she She's mirrors that. Yeah. Um, Sometimes she eats her whole cookie and only a few bites of dinner and she's done. But you know what? She might have only eaten a few bites of dinner anyway. Right. I'm not going to blame that on the cookie yeah. because she's three and she's variable mm-hmm. and and it's fine. Yeah. Um, so if you've never tried serving dessert on the plate and you feel like your kid is just obsessed with the cookie and, you know, asking, when can I have my cookie? When can I have my cookie? When can I have my cookie? And it's just mm-hmm. annoying. Yeah. Try serving it on the plate yeah. and see what they do. Mm-hmm. I have had some families say it totally backfired and that they only eat dessert and then nothing else. However, and I forget who these families were, so if you're listening, these are my thoughts for you. While it may have backfired that first time, I do think that if it became a common occurrence and there was a cookie on the plate like twice a week, every week at dinner, mm-hmm. They would eat the cookie and some dinner, and they would realize, like, oh, I can have cookies more than once a year, and that's some of what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We talk a little bit more about how to kind of handle sugar and how to raise your children around sugar in our sugar episode, which I believe is episode six. So if you have any further questions as to what we talk about about sugar specifically outside of what we talk about in the episode today... Go check out that one if you have more sugar-related questions. Good plug. And that was a really popular episode. That Mm -hmm. one got a lot of downloads, which was great. Let's talk about the reasons or the causes, maybe, Mm -hmm. of kids who are obsessed with food. Yeah. There could be a couple of biological reasons going on here, Mm -hmm. influenced by genetics and just how the child's brain is wired. Mm -hmm. Some kids are definitely more interested in foods than others right from the get-go, right right from starting solids. I mean, I work with a lot of kids with ARFID, and the parents will report, they've been like this since the minute I started solids at six months old. And there's obviously no environmental thing that is causing that. I mean... I sure I wasn't in their kitchen at the high chair when the parents started solids, but I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot that could have gone wrong, you know, the day they start solids. Yeah. Um, so biologically, some kids just have bigger appetites, and actually, one of the subtypes of ARFID is low appetite, lack of interest. Right. So that's definitely something. And you may be comparing, you know, a child who has a slightly larger appetite than someone else to a kid who has ARFID-like tendencies. Right. And so it is very subjective. The other thing that could be going on is hormone-related. We have hunger hormones. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the hormone that tells us that we're hungry and it's time to eat is called ghrelin. Yep. 
the hormone that tells us that we're full and it's time to stop eating is called leptin. Mm-hmm. There could be differences in leptin levels in some kids. Mm-hmm. A child with lower leptin levels is going to be hungrier and more interested in food and wanting more right. than the child who has higher leptin levels that kick in sooner after mm-hmm. they start eating. And tell them that they're full. Right. Now, the issue with this is you're not going to know if your child has higher or lower leptin levels because it's not something that we test. It's not something that we're really like looking at on a lab panel, Mm -hmm. but it's just something to keep in the back of your mind when you are feeling, oh my gosh, my kid is obsessed with food. What is going on? There could be just differences in their hormones. And, And if they're truly obsessed with food, there's a lot of issues around the feeding practices that might be happening, which we're mm-hmm. going to talk about next. But if you're feeling like your child is obsessed with food, please don't get, you know, into a frenzy about their hormone levels. You don't need to take them and get like hormone levels checked or right. something. Um, look at the feeding practices, look at their temperament, and and go from there. We just want you to know that the hormones could be playing yeah. a role. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So another possible quote-unquote cause for these food obsessions could be restriction around certain foods. Mm -hmm. So that could be from either how the environment has been around certain types of food, like processed Mm -hmm. foods, sugar, treats, things like that. Mm -hmm. It could be due to food insecurity, not always having access to certain foods. Yeah. So just to expand on that a little bit, food insecurity is when the foods available to you are either not enough mm-hmm. or not even like not satisfying. You know, you might have plenty of cans of canned corn in your pantry, but like right. what can you really do with those? You know, yeah. it so it has to do with amount and adequacy and all of that. Yes. Um So, yeah, food insecurity is a big one. And actually, so when I work with children who are in foster care, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll have kids um, who are being fostered, you know, and they might be five, six years old. And and a lot of those kids are feeling uh, or the the foster parents are reporting that the children are just obsessed with food. They're never full. They can't get enough. Mm -hmm. And I ask, you know, was there food insecurity going on? before they came to you and a lot of times the answer is yes yeah um so that can certainly play a huge role absolutely mm-hmm. and then obviously we have a possible past eating disorder or history of eating disorder that could also be mm-hmm. contributing to that restriction and yeah. therefore the food obsession for sure and we're gonna talk more about eating disorders in a, a different episode um and by the time this airs maybe we have already have done that one I'm not even sure where this is in the lineup but um we'll talk more about that specifically the the restricted binge cycle so we'll talk yes. more about that in a separate episode devoted to eating disorders it's and disorder eating it's going to be our next episode oh cool yes so that fabulous episode after this is going to be our eating disorder episode cool Izzy's the master scheduler here I just show <laughs> up I just show up on my couch and, and talk <laughs> um All right, so let's define the restriction a little bit more. So not from an eating disorder space, but just from a a general sense of what restriction really looks like. Um, A lot of parents 
are coming from a really good place in trying to keep their kids away from too much, quote, sugar, too much, quote, junk food, too much, too many carbs, because parents themselves have been swimming in diet culture for how many years? And so when we have preconceived notions of what, quote, healthy eating should look like, of course, we can't help but push that onto our children. And so if you're someone who thinks carbs are bad or fat is bad or sugar is bad, then you're innately going to restrict it in your child. Mm -hmm. And so um, restriction can be as low level as saying like, no, we can't have cookies because they have sugar. Mm -hmm. Or um, you've had enough mac and cheese like Mm -hmm. that's too many carbs so it doesn't need to be restriction in the form of like anorexia nervosa or something like that um it can be very low key so that's something to keep in mind we talked about food responsiveness right so some kids are definitely just more into food than others um and that's okay. And that's great. And that should be celebrated. Right. If you have a kid that's really into food, awesome. cook with them. Embrace it. Take it. Take them to the grocery store. Yeah. Pick things out. Yeah. That's wonderful. And so many parents would kill for that, mm-hmm. for their child to be interested yeah. and want to cook with them. So yeah. just embrace it. You got, you know, you got lucky in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to food insecurity, this loss of control. Do you want to talk about that, Izzy? Yeah. So some kids just lose control when they're eating, and they could completely overeat to a point where they might even make themselves sick mm-hmm. because they are can be very out of touch with their hunger and fullness cues. And we've talked about this on a couple different episodes where it's really, really important to kind of let your child learn their own hunger and fullness cues Mm -hmm. and listen to their body and have their body tell them, even if there's still food left on their plate, my body, my belly is telling me, you know, I'm I'm feeling full. I don't need to finish everything that's on my plate. Mm -hmm. And so that can be hard to say, okay, I'm going to let them decide when they're full and and try to listen to themselves and self-regulate. Yeah. Um, So that can... Some kids can just what seems like lose control when they're eating and have those like overeating episodes where they might even make themselves sick. Mm-hmm. Something I tell parents all the time, and I think I learned this from Ellen Satter, mm-hmm. is that um, the the parent and child feeding relationship is built on trust. They need to trust that you will put food on the table that they can eat. And you need to trust that they will eat according to what their body needs. And that's what really is at the foundation of all of this. Um, Your child may not be obsessed with food at all. It might be that there's an issue with the feeding dynamic going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Children are born with hunger and fullness cues. Um, You think about a baby who is taking breast milk or formula. They scream when they're hungry. Mm-hmm. And they pull off when they're full and they yeah. fall asleep. Yeah. They are born with those cues. And it's not until the environment or the parents get in the way mm-hmm. of those hunger and fullness cues by saying, like, don't you think you've had enough? 
or you need to finish all of your broccoli before you can mm-hmm. have a cookie or this and that. It's That's when things get really messed up. Yeah, because it leads to some confusion. Exactly. Yeah. And so we need to trust. Um, and just to go a little lighthearted here, I think um, this loss of control sometimes can be exacerbated by siblings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I've had kids tell me, like, well, I have to eat my dinner really, really fast so I can have more because otherwise my brother takes it all. Yeah. And that's a real thing. I get that. It's like Mm -hmm. if you're really, like, pining for that last piece of cornbread Mm -hmm. and, like, Big Johnny gets it first. Yeah. That stinks. You know what I mean? Especially if you're a slow either or you're the younger sibling who, Mm -hmm. like, naturally takes a little bit longer. I get that. I have two older brothers. I've been there. (laughs) Um, And so – you know, we we want to create this feeling of abundance with food the best we can. Um, when food is abundant and there is more and you let the child have more if they ask for it, that's when you can really see some real progress here. Um, you know, my daughter, she's very variable, right? She's three. Sometimes she eats bites. Sometimes she eats three bowls of soup, you right. know? The other night... She finished her bowl of soup and she wanted more. I know for sure there are parents out there who worry, like, oh, the soup, the noodles, too many carbs. She's already had this and that and whatever. Um, The way I do it in my house is if she wants more of something, if there is more to be had, which this could be a separate episode, if there's more to be had, she is allowed to have more. Mm -hmm. And so I said, yeah, you want more soup? Sure. So I gave her another spoonful of soup. She eats like two bites and she's like, "Mm, I'm done. And she gets down and goes about and dances to the Nutcracker, right? right? Um, But I truly believe that by creating that sense of abundance with food and by not restricting, not saying, no, you've had enough soup, you need to eat your broccoli or like whatever, salad, I guess we had with soup. Um, By saying, yeah, you can have more soup, I created that feeling of abundance for her. Right, that she could have more if she was feeling like she needed more. Exactly. And and it was just no big deal. And she took a couple bites, and it was fine. So I trusted that she would be able to regulate how much more she needed. And she trusts me that she can ask for more soup, and I'm going to say, okay, and it's not going to be a big deal. And she's not going to get in trouble or get reprimanded for wanting more. Right. Um, So creating that sense of abundance with food can really help. And say there's leftover food at the end of the meal. Well, you throw it in the fridge and you have leftovers, you know. Um, And I totally understand that there are some families listening who making extra is not an option. And I get that. Um, And I am very sensitive to those who are on a very tight budget and, you know, can't make extra. But if you have the means to and you're feeling like, um, you know, you could do better with the, the trusting relationship between parent and child, mm-hmm. cr- try to create a sense of abundance. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the kids who sneak snacks mm-hmm. or hide food in their room. Yeah. Who, uh, the parents always find out. Right. Find <laughs> the, wrappers or... Find wrappers behind the couch, under right. the bed. Yeah. Why is this happening? So usually this can stem from that past restriction that we talked about where the child feels like they might not get access to a certain food item again, so they feel the need to stockpile it in a certain place so they can have access to that item in the future, even after it's 
gone from the cupboard because everyone's already eaten it. Um, and so that's kind of more common, I would say, with like the sweet treats or maybe the packaged mm. like, processed snacks. But I mean, it can happen just from the past feeling of not having access mm-hmm. and kind of that fear of not having access. Yeah. And again, I think this stems from parents trying to control exactly what their children are eating. Mm-hmm. Parents are feeling like, well, it's up to me to make sure they don't eat XYZ food. Right, make sure they're healthy. Yeah, exactly. And it's coming from a very loving place, which, Uh, like, you know, kudos to all parents who want healthy children, right? Um, But when we don't allow those foods, those highly desired foods, Mm -hmm. to show up regularly in the meals or the snacks, that's when they're going to obsess over them and really want them. And sneak them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that sneaking or hiding foods, eating them in their room maybe, or after, at night after people are in bed, it can also come from a feeling of either shame or embar- embarrassment mm-hmm. from the types of foods that they're eating. So it's For possible sure. that they have felt in the past that, say, eating a cupcake or a cookie that we were talking about before, mm-hmm. maybe that is not accepted as much or they feel it's something that they should be embarrassed about if they do want to eat a cupcake or a cookie or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and so that can also be a possibility here yeah and this is something that if it's not addressed in childhood will definitely follow the child into adulthood because I work with women so I primarily work with children that's my bread and butter but when it's a good fit and mm-hmm. we're trying to, you know, break free from diet culture and, you know, stick it to, you know, all the wellness fads out there. Yeah. I work with uh, women. And um, I guess I say women, but like really anyone, anyone yeah. who identifies as a person who wants yeah. to break free from diet culture. Yeah. Um, the You know, this follows people into adulthood because I work with people all the time who say like, oh my gosh, I do so good all day. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have my oatmeal for breakfast and a salad for lunch and like protein starch veggie at dinner. And then when everyone's in bed, that's when I hit the cupcakes mm-hmm. or the cookies or the wine. I have three glasses. Yeah. We need to be incorporating those highly desired foods. Maybe not wine during the day. like. Yeah. <laughs> But we need to be incorporating those desired foods into the daily routine, not only for our children, but for ourselves too, mm-hmm. so that we don't feel out of control and we don't feel like we need to sneak it yeah. and we don't have shame. Right. I remind people all the time, food has no moral value, yeah. right? You are not bad if you eat cheesecake. You yeah. are not good if you eat salad. Yeah. You are a human being who eats food mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's it. normal. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. And so um, if you've got a child who is sneaking things, hiding things, take a good hard look at, well, am I allowing them to have goldfish at other times? Right. Maybe I'm not. And if if you, for some reason you really don't want your kid eating goldfish or Cheez-Its or whatever, for whatever reason, don't bring it into your house. Mm-hmm. However, I will say your children will find a way to get it somewhere else they because will find a way. they will trade lunches at school yep, and like they'll go to parties. they'll go to a friend's house and yeah. get it there. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it it can be it can be tough when all those foods are readily available in the pantry, but then the child feels the need to sneak them. It's like mm-hmm. we we there's nothing wrong with the food, but we need to work on 
how the, the messaging and yeah. how the food is being approached for sure. The last thing we should say in this parallels a lot of what I talked about in the division of responsibility episode. If your child is just asking for a snack every 10, 20 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is food obsession necessarily. This is lack of scheduling and lack of expectations mm-hmm. around food and what's appropriate and what's not. If you are feeding on a schedule, three meals, three snacks, maybe even four snacks, if you have a child that needs to gain weight or you have a child that gets hypoglycemic and needs to be eating every XYZ hours, mm-hmm. um, if you're feeding on a schedule and it's a predictable schedule and the child knows, okay, 8 a.m. I get breakfast, 10 a.m. I get the snack, we start lunch at 11.30, I get another snack at 2. If they know what's coming – they will be less inclined to ask for snacks all day long. Mm-hmm. You also want to make sure that the meals and snacks are balanced. Go back and listen to my plate or the snacking episode. Uh, like every episode, <laughs> we address this type We're of stuff. We're always talking about snacks. Um, and let's make sure, too, that we are not creating emotional eaters. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us were raised... Tell me, tell me if you were like I was. Anytime, so, yeah. like you know, if we if I got in a tiff with my dad, you know, he would come home and with a candy bar for me. Like, right. oh, I'm sorry, and you yeah. know, give me a candy bar. Yeah. Or like you think about you fall down on the playground, you mm-hmm. go into the nurse, you get a bandaid and a lollipop. Or like right. at the doctor's office, you get a shot and a lollipop. Now they they do stickers at they our pediatrician, yeah. which is great. But I, like I remember getting candy and whatnot yeah. at the doctor if I had to get a shot. Yeah. Um, or, like, something good happens and you, like, go for ice cream. Like, yeah, things like that. Yeah, right. It's, like, we should be able to go for ice cream even if it's just a random Wednesday and we're yeah. feeling like it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very careful with my own kids. You know, if they fall and scrape their knee and they're really upset, like, I know a popsicle is going to make Mia feel great. Mm-hmm. But I'm very careful not to do that right. around injuries or good behavior or anything like that because I – I know that I'm feeding on a schedule. If she, you know, if we just had lunch and she fell down 10 minutes later, I'm not going to offer her something else to make her feel better. I'm going to give her kisses. We're going to cuddle. We're going to say, you know, how can we prevent that from happening again? Like, was it a safety issue? But but I'm not going to give a snack to make them feel better. And so let's just be careful that we are not creating kids who eat based on emotion. Yes. And we right. do have a recent episode that went up about emotional eating as well. So go back and listen to that one. What this really all comes down to is that division of responsibility. And so please go and listen to that episode. Um, there's so much in there about the nuances of the division of responsibility and how to really follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are doing everything and you're following the division of responsibility, feeding on a schedule, incorporating sweets, not making a big deal, and you still feel like your child's obsessed with food, mm-hmm. seek out a pediatrician, a PD dietitian, an OT. Maybe yeah. there's a sensory processing disorder going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some trauma that needs to be addressed. Um, but give all these things a try first. Yes, absolutely. 
So this week, I'm super excited about our Jen What's Cooking. <laughs> we are going to be talking about our top tips for cooking tofu. Oh my gosh, so fun. I talked about tofu at least twice today with my clients. Oh yeah? Uh, you probably don't know this, Izzy. So my best friend, Auntie Sarah, mm-hmm. shout out, hey girl, if you're listening, which you better be, rate and review. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when my first daughter was born, she nicknamed her chicken mm-hmm. so mia is chicken mm-hmm. my second daughter we were trying to decide like all right is she going to be poultry or is she going to be something else so my second daughter's nickname from auntie sarah is tofu oh. and so for christmas she got all tofu themed presents oh my gosh. so we got a children's book about how to make tofu from scratch it's called tofu takes time oh you're, my god you're gonna love it we got a crocheted tofu stuffed animal. It's literally a block of tofu with a superhero cape on. Oh my gosh. Um, we got a tofu card, like holiday greeting card with tofu. <laughs> um, what else was there? There's something else, like all tofu themed oh cards. Um, not cards. All tofu themed gifts. I love it. So, tofu. We just want to give you some tips on how to cook it because so many people are afraid of it. They're just like, I, I don't was. know what to do. Can yeah. we just talk about the benefits of tofu? Like, why is it actually really good? Tofu's great. First off, it's way cheaper than buying meat. Way cheaper. Which it's like a block of tofu is like, I swear, like three fifty at the grocery store. Not even. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. T- you can find it for two bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so much cheaper than a pound of beef. It's so much cheaper than buying meat. And another big plus is that it's plant-based and more, it's a legume, right? Mm -hmm. So it has more fiber in it. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those complete proteins, which means that it has all nine of the essential amino acids that your body needs, Mm -hmm. which is basically just means that it's the same, like, kind of, it gives your body the same, some of the same nutrients as meat might. Right. Yeah. Yes. Like the same bioavailability. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, it's made of soybeans. Did we say that? I don't think we did. So yeah, if anyone doesn't know what tofu is, it's mm-hmm. made of soybeans. It's pressed soybeans. And it's usually pressed in like a calcium solution. Yes. So it's a good source of calcium exactly. for those who can't do dairy mm-hmm. or just need to up the calcium. I think a lot of people are afraid of soy because they're afraid of the estrogen thing and like... You know, there's just so many myths around soy. It is completely safe to eat soy. You do want to focus on getting soy in its, like, most natural form. Mm -hmm. So, like, tofu, soybeans, tempeh, edamame. I love edamame. Yeah. Um, But there is nothing wrong with soy. It is not an estrogen like what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. It contains phytoestrogens. But it's not going to, like, do weird things to you. Yeah. Um, It's just not. And it's it's actually... It's been shown to be protective against um, breast cancer recurrence. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's worried about that, yeah. it, like all the soy stuff, it's myths and it is a great food. So tofu. Yes. I was actually doing some research for another episode today and I found out that soybeans have omega-3s in them, mm-hmm. which I thought was so interesting because I feel like I always think of omega-3 fatty acids as something that comes in fish and different like healthy oils and things like that Mm -hmm. but I had no idea that they came in that it was present in soybeans too so I was like that's great 
Omega-3s are awesome. Yeah. And hard to come by. Very. Anyway, we'll talk about Omega-3s another time. Yes. <laughs> so, tofu. All right. So, tofu comes packaged in this little plastic thing, and there's water inside. It comes in three different forms, too. It does. Okay. So, if you want to cook tofu to make it, re- like, resemble meat or, like, replace meat mm-hmm. by extra firm. Yes. And then you still want to squeeze out the water. So what you need to do is open the package. You take a little knife and just like run my knife along the um, the, the top paper film thing. Take the tofu out of that water. Yep. Take the brick of tofu. Wrap it in a kitchen towel. You can also do paper towels. Mm-hmm. But I'm earthy crunchy and I'm trying to save the planet. So you I are. do a kitchen towel. Wrap it, like double wrap it as many mm-hmm. times as you can. Yep. Put that on a cutting board or some flat surface that you don't mind getting wet. Yep. Put the wrapped tofu on top of that and then put something real heavy on top like a cast iron pan mm-hmm. or another cutting board with some cans on top. Yep. I do it um like a boiling um what's that called? That you make tea with? A kettle? Yes. <laughs> I usually put like a full kettle on mm, mine smart. on top of that. Cool. Or sometimes I'll do both, like a cast iron skillet and then the kettle inside of it. <laughs> Izzy's hardcore. <laughs> Anything. I just want to get the water out. Get the water food. out. Let it sit there for at least 30 minutes. Yeah. The longer the better. And if you forget about it for a couple hours, like it's totally okay. Fine. It's okay. Um, okay. So you squeeze all the water and then season the heck out of it mm-hmm. with whatever you want because tofu does taste like nothing. Right. And so you need to season it really, really well. Yeah. Throwing cornstarch on it is a great way to crisp it up when yeah. you throw it in a hot pan with oil. That's my opinion. And it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, you can put it in the air fryer. That's what I do. When I make tofu, I press it just like that. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of crumble it so it's in like bigger crumbles. Mm-hmm. And I toss it in cornstarch and I throw it in my air fryer for like eight-ish minutes. Cool. And then toss it around so it gets nice and crispy. And then I toss it in a sauce afterwards. Yeah, you can so toss you can it in whatever whatever sauce you want. Yep. I think I think the big thing is just knowing what to do with it when you take it out of the package. Right. Squeeze the water out of it, cut it into chunks, season the heck out of it, and cook it like you would cook meat. Yep. And that's it. It's really easy. It's actually. so easy. It's great. And like I know a lot of people are averse to touching raw meat. Mm-hmm. So this is not meat. Yep. And it's not gross. And it's really filling, actually. It's great. It's I just actually started making tofu like maybe two years ago, more so in the past year. Mm-hmm. And I because love we it. talk about it so much. We do talk about <laughs> it. So I was like, I'm gonna try tofu. And I my family is more the boys in my family are more big on like meat. Yeah. They're, like, well, your dad hunts, the, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they're both like big red meat guys. But I actually got my entire family to like tofu. Now my brother, every time I come from college, is like. Can you make tofu for dinner? That's and great. He's like seriously, twenty two, mm-hmm. twenty three. Love he's it. Like, will you make tofu for dinner? So, just give it a try. It's great. Yeah. And for those of you with babies, it is a great food for babies because you can cut it into strips and mm-hmm. do baby led weaning with it, and it's soft and yeah. it's a good soy exposure, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So. Your challenge, go cook some tofu. Yeah, and if you do, now we have an Instagram, mm-hmm. right? If you cook tofu, please, like, DM us a picture of your yes. tofu. It's going to be great. Yeah, we would love to see it. Tag us. We love it. Yes. All right. All this talk about sugar and tofu. I'm ready for, I'm ready for dinner. <laughs> it's 4.13 and I'm starving. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mom, What's for Dinner? 
If you like what you hear, please be sure to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you need recipe inspiration or want to find out more about how to feed your kids, head on over to jenbelangernutrition.com and check out the videos, blog, and shop tabs. We'll see you soon for another episode.